Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today, Wendy and I are coming to you from Bolivia, and this is the first time we've been in Bolivia for 13 years, so it's been a long time coming. Yeah, the first time we went to La Paz and a couple of other places in the northern part of the country, uh, we were planning to explore all of Bolivia, but we ended up accepting jobs and leaving South America a bit early. So we finally come back to finish Bolivia and see all the things that we missed the first time. Yeah, it's one of the only countries, maybe the only country where we really have felt like we didn't get to see what we wanted to see and we always knew that we wanted to come back. Um, it's just taken a very long time, but here we are. Yep, here we are. And so this time we actually came from the other direction. So last time, as you mentioned, we were in the north because we'd come from Peru. This time we had come from Paraguay via Argentina. So we came into the south. And so that was good to deliver us into a place in Bolivia that we'd never been before. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when we talk about how we had to cut our trip short previously, I think the one thing that we really missed or thought that we really missed was what's called the Salada Uni. So it's a giant salt flat and it's the largest salt flat in the world. And that probably actually doesn't sound that interesting by itself just to see a huge field of salt essentially. Um, but it is the most famous site in Bolivia and we didn't get the chance to see it last time. And so that was going to be a big priority for us this time. Yeah. And so we have now seen it and uh, I can say that it is the most famous site in Bolivia for a good reason. It really is spectacular. Yeah, and South America is just full of these incredible natural sites, and I feel like other continents just don't have them um, to mm. the same degree, and this is really one of them. Um, the thing about the Salar is that it's not just this one salt flat. What you do is you go on a trip for three or four days, and you see all kinds of natural phenomena, and it's really incredible. Yeah, uh, so people usually talk about the you know the salt flat trip or the Salar de Uyuni trip, um, but most people. I mean, you can do just a day trip where you only go to the Salar, but most people end up doing a three day or what we did was a four day trip, where the Salar is really just one part of it, and you see lots of other things along the way too. And those were just as spectacular, if not more so, than the salt flat. Yeah, I think what makes the trip. It as a whole so wonderful is that you see such a variety of different natural sites and you almost never really know what what the next one's going to be but um, it's quite amazing to see this variety within that landscape so it, it might be a bit hard to describe some of these things but basically you're on what's called the altiplano which is the high plain of bolivia and so the altiplano is over four thousand meters above sea level and so you spend that entire time essentially at that level or higher. We got up to 5,000 meters. Mm -hmm. The Salar itself is about 3,650. Um, but we spent two nights sleeping above 4,000 meters. So firstly, that's a bit of a shock because you have to deal with some altitude sickness. Yeah, um, we didn't have it too badly, but we definitely felt the effects of the altitude. We both got headaches. Uh, I found it kind of difficult to breathe. And so, um, yeah, we didn't sleep all that well, at least the first night, but it could have been much worse. Um, you know, sometimes if uh, altitude sickness can even be life-threatening if you if you don't get treatment. Um, but the company that we were going with, they kept oxygen tanks uh, in our Jeep. So we knew that if we did have problems with the altitude uh, and we really needed help, then then we would be okay. But we didn't need the oxygen. We just uh, 
drank cocoa coca tea, uh, which is uh, made from coca leaves. It's also the same plant that cocaine is made from, but when you uh, chew the leaves or or put them into a tea, it's not a hallucinogenic effect. It's not any kind of drug like that. It just helps to oxygenate the blood and to bring the blood, the oxygen into your blood more easily, and that helps with the altitude. Right. So we began in a city called Tupisa in the south, and that's at about 2,800 meters. But very quickly, we were up on the Altiplano at, at 4,000 meters. Um, when you do this four-day trip, you have this extra day, which is that first day. You can also do the three-day trip from the other side, and then you miss out on that first day. Although I think probably, to be fair, that was the least interesting day with the most amount of driving in the Jeep. It was a lot of driving that first day. Um, the second day was my favorite, I think, even though that's that means that the Salar was not included in my favorite day. The Salar was wonderful too, but I really loved uh, some of the other sites that we saw, like the Green Lagoon and the Red Lagoon. Um, we saw lots and lots of flamingos. We saw incredible desert scenery and just really interesting rock formations and geysers and hot springs where we got to swim at... As you said, more than 4,000 meters above the sea in really cold conditions, but then you would jump into the warm water, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, the first day we saw uh, a ghost town, so an old colonial city um, that at one time was very wealthy because of mining, uh, but then... Uh, well, basically, people started dying, and they didn't know why all of the townspeople were dying, so they moved the town uh, to several kilometers away, and apparently people stopped dying. So maybe it was something in the water, something about the environment, but for whatever reason, uh, it wasn't a safe place to live anymore. So now you have just this abandoned city uh, with all of these old buildings. So that, I think, was probably the, the most interesting thing for me that we saw on the first day of the trip. Yeah, yeah, for me too. Um, and so as you mentioned, on the second day and the third day, we saw a lot of these uh, lagoons or these small lakes. And two of them in particular that you mentioned were colored. And so that was an amazing view to see the, the color of the water against the blue sky and against the mountains. Um, you know, the, the whole scenery was just quite amazing. It's, it's sort of semi-desert. Um, there aren't that many people who live there. There are some small villages. Um, the people who do live there tend to grow quinoa, which is the only thing you can grow there. Um, or they tend to farm llamas, which are the, uh, I, I guess, the emblematic animal of the Altiplano and of the Andean countries in South America, and the only large animal um, native to South America or native to South America at the point when Europeans arrived. Um, and so it was nice to see and play with some llamas for a while as well. Yeah, we made a short stop at a llama farm, and that was a nice photo opportunity because we got to get close to the llamas and and take photos with them, and they're very cute and cuddly and furry. Um, yeah, and we ate some quinoa, too, uh, which, as you said, is a, a local crop that's grown here, um, which has become popular recently in, you know, in the Western world, in, in Europe, where we live, uh, but it has been grown in Bolivia for a very long time, and it's only recently become discovered by other parts of the world. So it's actually um, a very profitable crop right now for, for the Bolivians on the Altiplano to grow because they get really high prices for it in, in Europe and in Western countries. Yeah, I think we were told that it costs 10 times as much as rice, mm. um, and also that Bolivia grows about half of the quinoa in the whole world. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a profitable crop for them. 
And so on the last night or the third night, we slept in a salt hotel, which is a hotel made out of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, late that afternoon and also for all of the next day, we reached the Salle de Uni itself. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to describe, but it's just this enormous flat. And all you see is the white of the salt and then the blue of the sky. And that's basically it. Yeah. So at one time it was a body of water. Uh, I guess you would call it a sea, an inland sea. Um, and so, yeah, just imagine, you know, this huge expanse that at one time was all covered in water and now all of that water is gone. And because it was a salt water sea, what's left behind is the salt. And so it's, it's just a huge expanse of nothing, but at the same time, yeah, the, the contrast of the colors, the white and the blue is really striking and, uh, it's an incredible sight. Yeah, and you can't even imagine how big it is, even when you're in it. So it's about ten and a half thousand square kilometers, and it's just huge. You just you just see this nothingness, as as far as the eye can see. Um, and so it's something that you wouldn't think would be so interesting, um, mm-hmm. but somehow it is. Yeah, and we also got to see sunrise from this island or what would have been an island back when it was a sea um, right in in the middle of the salar and it's covered with about 5,000 cacti uh, lots of cactus growing on this island and so it was an incredible vantage point to watch the sunrise from there and you have a 360 degree view of the salar everywhere you look around you you're just surrounded by the salt Um, yeah yeah, so we don't really do bucket lists, but if we did do one, this would definitely be honest, something we've known about for a very, very long time and we've wanted to do, and finally we did it, and it was wonderful. Yep, definitely lived up to our expectations. Thanks for listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.